Great that L. Great that L. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Fantastic start. Someone. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. <laughs> Hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Rate That Album. I'm Paul Muad'Dib, and with me, as always, is uh, Joe Freming of The Joe Down. Hello, Joe. Hi, Paul. <laughs> you sound super happy, Joe. <laughs> it's a new dawn of America, Paul. <laughs> and nothing will go back to ever being the same, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm still adjusting to not waking up and wondering what the president tweeted. So <laughs> I'm in the same boat. Like I seriously, I'm, I've been, that's been like my go-to for a long time is I'll wake up in the morning. I'll give myself a minute. And I'll be like, all right, time to go on the news. And I do that now. And I'm like, there's no crisis. Like there's nothing going on. Like I, I, I get like, I'm so used to it being rapid fire that like waiting till four o'clock to hear from the brief, from the, from the, uh, from the press secretary and it being a normal exchange was just weird to me. So I get it. Um, so uh, I, I picked this album this week um, for uh, rate that album. Um, we did your album last week, Joe, and you'll be picking the next one for next week. But the album I picked was um, off the um, who is done by an artist called Melissa off um, what did you, just initially, have you ever heard of this album or anything by her before Joe? This was new to me. I I've known her stuff from when she was in hole. Uh, mm -hmm. that was pretty much it. Like I know she was, she temporarily was in smashing pumpkins after they, uh, ousted, uh, DRC, but like she, I don't believe she recorded anything with that. So I kind of knew who she was. But and I knew she released an album, but it was like it just didn't fall into my radar. So listening to it the past week is the first time I've actually ever heard the album. Okay. Um, and yeah, well, we'll get into your thoughts on that right in a little bit. I want to get into. I, I just wanted to know because I don't think a lot of people know this album or know her solo work or know anything really about her. Outside of Hole, would you agree with that? Yeah, well, I mean, to say solo work, I mean, she only has this one album that I've seen, and uh, and there's a oh, sorry. she has no, she has another one. She has the one that she put out in 2010. Oh, really? I did, mm -hmm. I didn't see that, but yeah. Uh, so okay. anyway, uh, you know, I just knew her from Hole. Uh, I had no idea what to expect when I mm -hmm. started it. Uh, when I first threw it on. Uh, a lot of I'm just accustomed to like when people from like in bigger bands they do a solo project. It's usually like an acoustic, kind of boring album. Mm -hmm. <laughs> James Iha. <laughs> 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 so I I was surprised when she when I put it on. It was like a pretty much like a rock album. Mm -hmm. That threw me through a loop. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit more about her. So. Melissa Oftemar began performing in 1993 after forming an indie rock Canadian band um, called Tinker uh, while she was a student at Concordia University. Um, she was recruited as a bassist later for Hole, and I'll get into that. Um, I'm going to back up a little bit there. So she's from Montreal, uh, Quebec. She's a Quebecer. Um, <clears throat> Dirty Canadian. Dirty Canadian. So she attended the... Um, Fine Arts Core Education School. 
and uh, then later went to Concordia University, where she majored in photography. And this is something I'll get into about her as well. She's not just a musician. She's a photographer. She's an actress. Um, she's done a lot of things just artistically um, with her life. Um, she and her husband, um, filmmaker, uh, indie filmmaker Tony Stone, um, own the Basilica Hudson, an arts and performance center in Hudson, New York, and they live on the top of that. So, like, they just live and breathe art. And um, so she started this band, and when, <laughs> while she was in Tinker, um, Smashing Pumpkins uh, did, a, did a, like a small club performance in 1991, and she had become friends with, with Billy Corgan through a really strange event. Um, her roommate at the time heckled the band between songs. <laughs> to quote her, she said, my friend Bruce, who later became the drummer for Godspeed, You Black Emperor, um, was there, and he whispered to me, God, this guy has an attitude. They're acting like they're playing an arena. And he threw a bottle of beer at Billy and shouted, drop the fucking attitude. Uh, Billy? <laughs> um, let me just say, I wish that was a life-changing moment for Billy Corgan to drop the fucking attitude. <laughs> right? Right? So Billy dived off the stage, put his hands around Bruce's neck, and they started fighting. And she thought, great, you ruined the fucking show. So she went up to Billy Corgan afterwards and said, I'd like to apologize on the behalf of Montreal. You guys are my new favorite band. And Corgan was really taken to her and was like, let's become pen pals. Like, let's write each other. And um, you know, they didn't hear for months. So she just on a whim asked him um, if, if Tinker could open for the Smashing Pumpkins when they were in Montreal. And Corgan was like, yeah, absolutely. Now, to give you an idea, this... This is how small it was, and this is how early it was, 1991, uh, 1993. There was only 2,500 people at a Smashing Pumpkin show. <laughs> well, and it, To be fair, ahead. they still had uh, 93. I, had they even released uh, Siamese Dream? I don't think so. I don't yes. think that even released so They're just that. still kind of up and coming at that time. Mm -hmm. I, I think it was like just Gish, I think, would probably be the one album they had. So I think you're absolutely right. But, you know, she's like 2,500 people. We've never opened for 25 people. And afterwards, he came up to her and said, you're a really good bass player. You're going to be in my band one day. And so they did a few things with Tinker, um, you know, uh, in 1994. And then they just they um, disbanded because Billy called her and said, I'm coming to town on uh, 1994's Lollapalooza next week. But the great news is you're going to join my friend Courtney's band. <laughs> and that's when it all started. Within a week, she had called all her friends. You know, she said no. She said no at first. You know, like, I, I can't do that. And all of her friends were like, are you nuts? Even her dad said, what do you mean? The big pumpkin guy offered you a real job in music and you said no? <laughs> <laughs> well, by that time, um, Courtney had gotten her phone number from, from Billy and said, what he called her and said, what do you mean you don't want to join my band? You're getting on a plane in Seattle tomorrow. And she did. And Patty, who was in the band, picked her up at the airport. And she said, you know, took her over there. And she said, it was super awesome. It was good for me day one. Um, you know, it was, uh, they had all these lesbian nannies and assistants that were all around. She's like, it was a really cool, tight gland of mothering, caretaking lesbians that followed around whole. Yeah, what happened was, was that the bassist Christian Plaff died. 
and they needed a, a, a bassist. And through Billy introduced um, to to them, and I guess she and uh, Patty, the drummer, really hit it off like most bassists and drummers do. Yeah, and she was actually considered. Um, Patty uh, said that uh, Off the Mauer was the anchor during the period after both Kristen and Kurt's death. Like yeah, that's, that's kind of a shitty time to be joining a band because <laughs> uh, I think people have to remember Hole and Courtney Love at this time were as pretty much spiraling out of control with heroin yeah. addiction and all that. Cobain dying, their band member died. Yeah, it's she kind of. Stepped into a, a minefield here, didn't she? He kind of, well, in a way, yeah. I mean, because you know, there was a lot of chaos going on, and but I, you know, being where she was and you not wanting, I think, to miss out on it, you know, she stepped into it, and like they said, she was basically the anchor during all of this. Um, she was featured on various whole releases, you know, um, from 1994 to 1999 when they disbanded, and um. What happened was in June of 2009, whole love claimed that they were going to reform and Oftemar was going to come back. And Oftemar was like, I- I'm not coming back. Like, I know I-, I-, I can't because I'm with the Smashing Pumpkins. Because <laughs> <laughs> what, like, this one's had just an amazing career because uh, uh, DRC left on that time that the that where they're on the hiatus and she only fi- signed a five-year contract with hole and i'm going to imagine that that five years of chaos she doesn't say it explicitly um but you have kind of hit on it i felt the same thing that that being in that five year of death and chaos um was uh you know probably not the most conductive for what she wanted so when that when her contract came up she's like i'm cool i'm done i'm not coming back and so she started performing um, with the uh, Smashing Pumpkins for the Machina, the Machines of God album. Um, and, you know, she was going to leave for this solo project. She told Courtney, I'm going to work on my solo project. But then, coincidentally, that week, she got a call from Billy and said, it's time for you to join my band. And she said, I had to do it. Um, so, you know, but what happened was, was that they already had basically Darcy's bass riffs done she's not actually featured on the album but she did the tour and she said that she couldn't do it anymore with smashing pumpkins that it was um you know that it was so much more intense the work ethic of billy corgan and the pumpkins is so full-on and demanding she said it was just more work than about the emotional experience of it that it was just go, 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 do it the way Billy wants it done, this way, this way, this way. And we know that of him. So she went on with a couple other, with uh, with um, some former, uh, former whole drummer and to start, you know, basically Chelsea and the Hand of Doom, um, a couple other bands that she kind of went on. So then she's like, okay, finally, I'm going to go about and do my own album. When she was doing this, she... Start, you know, she went back and found songs that she had written for Tinker 10 years ago that never got recorded and was like, oh, my gosh. So she had uh, all these like really this album is like a 10 year collection of her work. And who's on this album is insane, too. Like, did you did you pay attention to some of the credits of people who are on this album? Well, I 
I looked it up, but I did. Uh, I mean, Mark Lanigan has such a a distinct vocal. Mm-hmm. I spotted him right away, but I I ended up uh, looking up and seeing that yeah, there's a lot of a lot of good talent on this album. It's it's you know it's it's like Josh this Holm. Is like, yeah, this is like the super group that no one knew happened um, because you had um, Eric um, Eric Erlinson from uh, Hole. On it, you had James Ira of the Smashing Pumpkins on it, Josh Holm of Queens of the Stone Age, Mark Lanigan of Screaming Trees and Uncle, uh, Jordy White, also known as Twiggy Ramirez of Marilyn Manson and Nine Inch Nails is on it, Chad Gross of the Queens of the Stone Age is on it. I mean, there is just talent pouring off this album. That's essentially you know what is all going on um with 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 it. Um and again as I talked about just a little bit more about her, um she went on to do um ugh, fucking uh work with on her second album Rufus Rainwright is like a close friend of hers has been for years I guess. So he joined her on her second album. She wanted him on his first on her first album on this album, but just they couldn't make it work. Um yeah, so she's gone on. She starred in a couple of the movies. She acted in a movie called How to Make the Cruelest Month in 1998. She was in Beyond Borders in 2003. And most re- uh, recently was The Collaborator in 2011. She made a um, project for her 2010 Out of Minds album. She made an album, a single, a film, and a comic book out of it. Holy shit. Right. Like, she just oozes. Um art so with that joe let's talk about i've gone on i need some water let's talk (laughs) about what your thoughts are of this album all right i just kind of want to have a little caveat here like she stepped into those two big bands at like the worst moments (laughs) i kind of feel bad about that (laughs) in a sense like especially the whole one but like replacing the rc like People have to remember where the Smashing Pumpkins were at at that time. Like it was like Corgan was firing everybody, <laughs> like after Melancholy. So like, yeah, I would. Yeah, it's just interesting. But so we get to this album. There's a lot I really like about this album, and there's some things that I don't like. Okay, so let's okay let's talk a little bit about the the highlights let's start with the highlights like what did you like off this album okay that's easy uh i wrote this down taste you i really liked i thought that was Mm -hmm. fantastic i'll be anything you want i liked uh she even has a little uh reference to black sabbath paranoid Mm -hmm. uh in the last track i need i need i want i will i really liked i thought Mm -hmm. that was interesting and it also has the bonus track Mm-hmm. After we keep listening, where she sings uh, "Taste You" in French. <laughs> yes, which is uh, actually I almost like that version better, right? Yeah, like that secret. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Yeah, so those are like tracks that popped out to me. I was writing it down as I was listening to them, and you know, uh, so yeah, there's like I I love the instrumentation and the production of this album. It's like so intricate. There's a lot of layers of things going on that I really like, you know, I, I, when I was listening to it, I was like, man, this feels like this kind of has like a, like it, this could fit in with like a Josh Holm project. <laughs> and then I looked up, I was like, well, holy shit. <laughs> so taste you both versions I had as a highlight. Um, what if I could for me was a highlight. 
and I want, I need were highlights. Um, which yeah, is interesting. What if I could on my highlight list? Too. <laughs> yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. Like these are some amazingly great songs. And, um, I just wanted to have, I had a list of which I got to pull up my notes here a second. Um, what the singles were the singles were followed the waves taste you and real a lie and that's another one i really i i, I think i enjoyed as well was 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 real a lie um yeah. i thought Spirit that was all the waves i didn't really that was one of the tracks i actually didn't yeah right right yeah yeah real lie i had as my notes too um well let's just let's, let's get into the low lights like what didn't you like joe so this album for me, like, again, there's like these songs I really love. Mm-hmm. It seems to have like, an identity crisis throughout it out. And I meet, I say that because for an album that's released in 2004, this sounds like it was made in 1996. Mm-hmm. It has a very 90s uh, vibe and production and sound to it, mm-hmm. which is is it was off putting to me in a sense. Like it, it, it felt like this was like almost like a lost whole album at times. Mm, you know I mean? Okay. Like yeah. At times it felt like celebrity skin part two. Like these were like things like she would probably was going to contribute and it didn't pan out or whatever. So like a lot of it kind of felt like that to me. Mm-hmm. It's funny you say that because that was kind of the, 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 the criticism of it. Um, I'll go, uh, I'll talk about that here. Uh, since you brought that up. Um, someone said, um, you know, that it was summarized the album as the perfect CD for 1995 released too late, um, is really the way that they describe this. And, um, so my low lights of it, there's a song, which is odd, which was overpower V. I thought that was just a worthless song. And what's really interesting is that had Chris Gross and Josh Holm on it. Um, you know, uh, and it had a very uncle feel had a very uncle feel not clean as a stone age feel but they're they're working uncle um the other thing i didn't like about this and i, I wrote down was um uh weird oh, questionable chord changes yeah that kind of goes back to the 90s thing the chord progressions like very reminiscent of like cobain on nevermind uh kind of that that draining droning kind of thing going on mm-hmm. which i mean like it it reminded me of when i listened to, uh god it was the, like in 2016 the pixies released an album and i was like man this sounds like the greatest tribute to a or biggest pixies knockoff band because it felt like there was like they were self-parodying themselves it kind of i had that vibe with this where i was just like you know this is like it it was, you know, I like the, I like a lot of the '90s music, but it just felt weird here for me. I think maybe knowing when it came out, if you would have said no, Joe, this came out '95, '96, like okay, that at least makes some sense. <laughs> yes, the fact that this is 2004. The other thing I didn't like about it was the was was again there. There's things even beyond the Kirk, the, the 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 Kurt Cobain thing. I mean, there were some. Uh, you know, I'm not, I, I've have some unreleased music and you know things of that nature. And I've been in several bands, and um, and I still record um, here and there. I've been working on a concept, a two hour long concept album for fucking you know 15 years. Um, so um, 
the, the what I mean also by the questionable chord changes is that there were parts where like you expected the guitar or the beat or the or the 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 to go a certain way, and it went to like this almost like a half or like a quarter um, or like, like the wrong fifth. Um, it was just like, oh, that's kind of that. There's a, you know, there's a thing called dissonance in music, um, which can work out really, really well. There's a lot of artists that do dissonance very, very well, which is the act of um, using chords that play off each other oddly. Yeah. But then, you know, it kind of builds up and makes it work. Radiohead is a prime example of how they can go completely off. And when it hits it and it's just it's glory, like it makes the the climax or like the, the harmony that much more intense. Um, Pink Floyd did it, I believe, on um, on Echoes. Yep. Uh, uh, Cobain did that a lot with Nirvana songs, too. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The combination of like chords that make it feel just slightly askew. Yes. And I also didn't like the basic commercial of hard rock sound. Like, if you listen to the ones that I think we both liked, it was the ones that weren't bass. Like, I understand she's a bassist. And I'm not saying, like, it was, like, like she's playing bass. It was, like, it was, like, the 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 mixing of the of the equalizing was off. Like, it was just, it was, you weren't letting enough of the troubles through. And when you look at the songs that we really enjoyed, Real Alive, Taste You, What If I Could, I Want, uh, I Want, I Need, they don't have that heavy overdose of bass on it. I, I, I don't know if you caught that or not, or have that feelings of, of No, I did, I did too. Uh, and a lot of things, like, too, with me, like, a lot of these songs kind of bled into each other. Mm -hmm. And it was another thing, I think she, I don't know if it was, like, her confidence in her vocals and some of the hooks, but it felt like she buried her vocals a lot in a sense, uh, which works sometimes. Uh, Bob mold is infamous for burying his vocals into a mix. It's so like, I felt like there's times where like maybe a chorus should have popped a little bit more, but it doesn't, it just kind of like bleeds into the, into the verses a bit for me. So that kind of, that was kind of like, if only she tweaked it here a bit, you know, that song would have been a lot better. At least that's what I picked up from it. The bass too, like, the, you know, the heavy bass, like you were saying, like really reminiscent of like some of the late nineties, kind of like butt rock stuff. That's kind of coming out. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it still had that grunge tinge to it. it. It was like if someone took, like took grunge, but then they gave it to a, a master of 80s butt rock uh, or 90s butt rock to um, uh, equalize the sound levels on it or, uh, you know, to work on the, um, the 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 highs, the mids and the lows. Right. Like this definitely had that 2004 uh, bassy kind of commercial hard rock sound for a songs that would have that were more grungy that should have had that 1990 a full 1995 feel does that make sense yeah um okay so yeah so the, the tracks overall uh, are um we'll go through them and I, I don't know if you wrote everything about them i kind of there was some that i was mad about but let's just go through the track listing here um for the audience um lightning is my girl first song which i actually liked uh mm Minus, like, this kind of had some of that bassy-ness to it that I kind of was off-putting, but once it got into the, the actual song, I really enjoyed it. Completely agree with you. I think it was a strong opener. 
then followed the waves. Now, this surprises me that this was a that this was considered the first single. Uh, this doesn't have a single quality to me. I don't know about you. Yep. Yeah, well, uh, again, this kind of goes back to like how the songs end up. Ble- there, there's moments where it's just like there's no hook. Mm-hmm. There's no chorus. Uh, that works a lot. You know, it, I'm not like one of those guys like every song needs a big poppy chorus or whatever. I mean, I'm just not, I listened to enough Lou Reed to justify that stance. Uh, sure. <laughs> but, uh, it just, uh, when it happens, like when you do it, so back songs, back to back to back, it, it, it gets kind of boring and that's follow the waves was a boring song to me. So, and I'll bring this up because I remember there was a time when we uh, early on in our in our in our career um, performing, um, we ended up having the open um, at this one show for two bands from Minneapolis um, up in our hometown because obviously the Minneapolis bands, you know, oh my gosh, they're the Minneapolis bands, and we ended up opening for them. And when we got off stage, both bands uh, kind of came up to us and like, why didn't you guys? like close it out like why did you guys open and we're like because that's what we told we were to do and they're like you guys are better than us like this is gonna suck and we're like like, no we're not like come on come on you know we're we're, you know we're small town you know whatever it was just three guys with with acoustic guitars doing a mix of covers and whatever and these guys came in with like drums and baby and one of the things was the the second band was was I first song I was like God this band's really great. Second song okay sounds a lot like the first song all right. Third song oh Christ. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, only two bands can really get away with that. That's the Ramones and ACTC. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I'm sorry, but every every Ramones song is Shana, uh, Shana, uh, Shana was a punk rocker. Um, you know, you'll, you'll have that. Yeah, I um, I didn't really like that one. Then you had Real Ally with uh, Steve Duran, which was a which was actually a unrecorded or, or unfinished demo for their band Tinker, which I think was like I don't know what it is about artists, but if you, tell me if I'm wrong, but there's something about that third track on most albums that's like you know track three is going to be good. Yeah, I mean. I think that has to be because if your first two t- tracks are duds, if you don't have it by the third track, you're fucked. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like nobody's mm-hmm. going to listen past track three. It's uh, in journalism. We have what we call the inverted uh, pyramid where <laughs> people only read the first three graphs of a news story. So you kind of like that's might be like how musicians record or like at least track their albums. <laughs> like if you don't have the people sold by track three, uh, you're in you're in a lot of trouble. Uh, yeah, I completely agree with that. Uh, I, I do think that. And I also think it has something to do with the flow. You know, like you come in and then track three is like your first uh, peak, as it were, you know, and then you kind of go down and then, you know, you get in. I, I think that's maybe also what's there. I can't describe it. So then you had Head Unbound, which I thought was kind of a blah um, filler song. Yeah, it did nothing for me. I... Me neither. Me neither. And then Taste You, obviously, I thought that was a great song. Yeah, that's probably my favorite song on the album. I that's not probably that is my favorite song on the album. I, I would agree with you. I would agree with you. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, I would completely agree with you. Um, and then you had "Beast of Honor," which again to me was another one of those uh, songs. Yeah. 
Uh, I want to be, uh, I'll be anything you want. Had potential to me, but again, the, it was shorter and, it, you know, I had Josh Holm on it, which was nice, um, but it still was played with that bass sound to me. I did anyways. like the bass line. It was kind of jazzier. Yes. That's yes. what kind of stood out for me. That's why I wrote it down. Because for me, like when an album kind of differ, differentiates like that, it, it stands out to me. Like yes. I, I'd probably lean towards the oddball tracks more than a lot of the main ones. Yeah, yeah, I like Wild Honey Pie on the White Album. <laughs> right, right, right. Yeah, I know. I get it. I get it. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I, I, I totally like that song, too. Um, People think so... we're nuts, Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I, I used to do uh, Bungalow Bill for karaoke, so, you know, <laughs> not, like, not exactly a popular choice. Who'd you have doing the Yoko vocals? <laughs> I did it. I just made a funny voice with my, uh, a funny sound with my voice. Um then you had my foggy nation, which again just was more the same um, of that, like follow the waves and uh, head unbound to me. Um, what if I could like that one? Um, I thought that was a, a, a decent uh, track, a um, uh, little bit different than the rest that was kind of coming through. Um, and you know, I and I I really enjoyed that. Then overpowered the was like this oddly placed. Like going back to like the Beastie Boys album that we did, uh, Paul's Boutique, you know, it makes sense for some tracks that are some songs that have like this weird thing that's kind of all of its own before you jam back in. But this is placed like two songs prior yeah. to the end of the album. <laughs> yeah, you might want to bury this one more in the middle. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's that was my my take on it. Uh, Skin Receiver did nothing for me. Um, and then I want, I, I need, I want, I will. Now I want to talk about this cause you brought up the hidden track. I miss hidden tracks on albums, dude. Like this is so cool that in 2004, there's a hidden track. Like nobody does these much anymore. Um, and yes. to have it be a, it was friend. awesome in the nineties when people were doing this. <laughs> yes. I mean, I, I remember getting, um, Oh, was it crackers kerosene? I think it was. We had like 99 tracks and a whole bunch of them were blank, but yeah. somewhere in there was one of my favorite cracker songs of all time. You're a trash girl buried in on these secret songs. Um, Nine Inch Nails Broken EP had 99 tracks. The last two, 98, 99 were actual songs. Yeah. Yeah. So I, yeah, this was like a fun little thing that we would get in the nineties and albums were like these secret songs. And then, you know, you get her grandmother singing. Yeah. <laughs> yodeling. Like, Yep, yodeling. It's her grand. That's her grandmother. I thought that was nice. That was cute. Uh, it that stuff. You know, I mean, it it kind of like Pink Floyd wouldn't want to do that. Uh, that would kind of take away from <laughs> the theme. Yes, uh, but like you know, there was a band in the metal band called Typo Negative that would kind of do, like do hidden tracks where they thank people for buying the CDs, which mm -hmm. was always kind of like kind of a nice whatever. So yeah. Yeah, it was. Yeah, it's kind of a nice thing. And then you have the French version, a longer version of Taste You, which is fucking phenomenal. Yeah, I actually, yeah, like you said, you know, you you said you like it better. I do, too. Uh, I think it's a it, it, it's this one that this version of it's more interesting to me. And I don't know. Maybe it's because I, I don't speak French. <laughs> yes, uh, I with you on it. I don't speak French, but still, I just it was engrossing and. I really enjoyed like it. It flows so well in French, uh, like it works. 
I don't understand how that works. I don't understand. <laughs> I'm not a good, I'm not a linguist. Um, it's, it's like when you listen to the German version of those Beatles songs. Like, I don't understand how it worked either, but you know what? It did. Yes. So let's talk real quick. I want to kind of go break down some other people that were on this. So you had, um, you had obviously um, Melissa on it. Um, Brant Bjork, um, who is known for um, uh, kind of a stoner rock group, kind of um, was on drums. Obviously, her friend and co, um, who was on Tinker with her, Steve Durand. Uh, we already talked about Eric um, Erlinson, um, who is the guitarist for Hole. Um, again, Chris Gross, Josh Holm, James Ira, but um, uh, Mark uh, Mark Lennigan. Yep. And but who also was on it is Anna. Uh, I'm going to butcher this last name. Anna and Paz um, Lechantin. Um, who Isn't that, did... that that uh, nicotine gum that uh, the guy from Goodfellas pedals? <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, that's Chulies. Uh, anyways, no, no, that's Clerks. Um, <laughs> th- they did um, strings um, for. Well, Anna did strings for Train, The Eels, Narls Barkley, No Doubt. Um, a perfect circle, nine inch nails, um, and Paz did strings for um, the Pixies and and Zwan. Um, so uh, then you had um, Nick um, already, um, Queens of the Stone Age. He's a Queen Josh Holm guy. Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, Josh uh, Stanier, who was in Tomahawk, um, with, uh, Mike Patton, right? With Mike Patton, yeah. Um, helped out on this album. Um, and he was also Mark Kane. Um, we already talked about Twiggy Ramirez. Um, Adam Willard, um, who uh, kind of helped out. He's been kind of, he's done several artists uh, with like The Crypt and um, just trying to think of some bands that maybe you would know. Offspring. Um, helped out with The Offspring. Um, did drums. Like she brought in a lot of different drummers, like a lot of different drummer friends on this. So, yeah, those that's like the talent that was on this album. And it's kind of a who's who. And to me, I kind of describe this album as the super group that wasn't. Yeah, uh, it, it it almost feels like uh, uh, Josh Holmes does, does those desert sessions. And it feels mm-hmm. like a lot of a lot of overlap between yes. those and this. Mm hmm. But when this album came to my attention and I looked into it, I was like, this is not what I picked. This is not what I expect to do as my first album on this show. Um, I was not expecting this either. Like, again, I thought this was going to be like some boring acoustic album. It, it see, that just seems to be like the curse of anybody who's been in a, in a big band. Like, I'm going to do my own thing. And it's just like, oh, dear God, here's here's some Starbucks music. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do that to you. I just meant this album came to me very recently and out of nowhere. And so there's other things I wanted to do um, for an album. I had another recent album that came out that I wanted, I expected to do as my first one. But this was just one of those things where I'm like, I know you've never heard this. And I know most people who are listening never heard this. And this is something that I do think I, I, the great. I think it needs to be heard. I mean, you really want to talk about like some of the greats in music in rock music. They were on this. Um, people that were in again. We talked about this. Pixies, Nine Inch Nails, Queen of the Stone Age, um, Smashing Pumpkins, 
um, Marilyn Manson. Um, it, it, this this is like a perennials who who of the ninety of the of, of the of the grunge nineties, and even getting into that rock of yeah, it, of of the nineties. It kind of bridges the rock of the nineties with uh, the rock of the two thousands, mm-hmm. especially with the Queens of the Stone Age. Like I know they were around in the nineties, but they really didn't uh, really hit their stride until Songs for the Deaf, which I I'm pretty sure is like two thousand one. Yes. Yes. Yep. I think that's 2001. Uh, let me just make sure of that one. Because uh, I, I want to be accurate in what we in what we do. Um, Not me. I just want to make shit up. For you. <laughs> for you. Are, you, are, you are you the Trump of our... Uh... <laughs> you, Paul, are the fake news. <laughs> I'm the fake news. Yes. Songs for the Deaf um, was their mainstream. And that was um, 2001 when they got Dave Gruel to help out with drumming. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a fantastic album. It is a fantastic album. It is absolutely an amazing album. And again, one of the people we talked about was uh, Paz, who was on this album, did the Mosquito Song, uh, of which was the final track on that album. And they even brought in Dean Wiener, uh, the, the Deaner from Ween. To do guitar on that album, which I'm sorry, I love Ween and people. You got yes, they may come off as a joke, but my God, they're ta- they're talented musicians. Oh, I love, I love, I love the Ween, and I love. Is it Deaner or Geener who does the Moist Boys? I believe that's the Geener that does the Moist. Yeah, that's boys. a if you if you ever heard the Moist Boys, uh, check them out because that is some interesting metal. <laughs> hmm. Yeah, I believe that's Gene. Um. Oh, let me. We're like me, encyclopedias of not bullshit, aren't we? <laughs> yeah. Uh, no, I, I just want to make sure. No, I think no. It's say it's showing. It's a it's a Dean of a, a Moist Boys. Yep. Um, yeah, that's Dean. That's that's the Deaner. Deaner. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's the D. I call him Deaner because of the song that the, what what Deaner was talking about. <laughs> Um, so yeah, overall, I think this is an album that should be explored, um, and looked at and understand what you're getting into that. This is like, I think what commercial rock radio would have loved grunge to have been. (laughs) Yeah, it's interesting. I like it. Uh, I would, I'm, you know, I'll suggest people give it a listen. I I think I have to have, give it more time to grow on me. mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I, you know, I've been listening to it the past week, uh, while I'm working, uh, while I've been, you know, just sitting around listening to music on on headphones and stuff. I, and this is a good headphones album, by the way. There's a lot, kind of like great headphones album, right? There's a lot, got a lot of like stuff that if you're not listening to headphone on headphones, you're gonna miss a lot, a lot of musical music choices. So, yeah, I would say, uh, suge- I would suggest it, but uh, with a caveat that it does have that really awkward nineties thing that kind of gets distracting. At least it distracted me with like the tracks we we're talking about where nothing's really popping. Uh, I'm just kind of like, it's like, Oh, let's just, uh, <laughs> yeah. It's been a little more interesting if they like, uh, leaned away from that a bit. Yeah. This is one of those things where the highs I think are high and the lows are low and it kind of creates this middling. Yeah. Uh, well, I wouldn't say the lows are super low. I think the lows are just blah. You yeah. know, like, it's just like paint drying. Like, 
there can be lows on an album where you're just like, God damn, this sucks. (laughs) I did not get to that point with these tracks. No, but you know, one of, I mean, we talked about that on, on cast that movie though. One of the worst things you can do with any type of movie is be boring is be average. That's the caveat of the Joe down as well. Like the, our worst experiences watching a movie is if they're, if it's boring. Yeah. Uh, And the worst of that was when we watched SLC punk two, which is like 80 minutes. And it felt like it felt like it was 80 minutes too long. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying it's a boring album, but what what, what I'm trying to say is, is that it's the lows are low because they're average songs. Like it's, you know, I think if there had been some like true low points in it, it would have made some of these other ones stand out more. Like throw in a bad song, like throw in a song that just is terrible. Yeah. Um, and maybe lean into the because she has a good voice. Yes, yes, she does. So I was kind of like again, I kind of brought up like there's parts where I'm like, well, if you know, if she would have just laid into the hook a little bit more mm-hmm. and made her vocals more pronounced and make it that part bigger and then kind of minimalize the the weird instrumentation to make it pop but uh, she just didn't for some reason you know right that's fine that's her call but i'm just my opinion would have been like i would have probably leaned in more at certain especially on the more boring tracks where you know maybe you'd want to do that just to keep people's attention going you know and i didn't write this down but it's something i want to bring up i'm glad you said that because this also said about something about an expectation that i had which was she's a bassist. I expected some bass sol- some like crazy bass solos and bass centric songs, and you don't get that here off of her album. Yeah, which was yeah weird, <laughs> weird, right? Yeah, yeah that that was that was strange because she's and it's not like she's a bad bass player. In fact, she's a really excellent bass player. She's so that's an excellent bass player. Thing. She's an excellent bass player. But yeah, I expected some bass solos or, you know, at least her showing off her you know, being, you know, somewhat owning her bass to it. And no, so bring out your inner Les Claypool. Just go for it. Right, 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 right. Like when you hear an album about by a bassist, you expect there to be some kind of Les Claypool, at least something where the bass is being shown off in at least one song. Like I can check out this crazy bass riff that I came up with over the years. Yeah. And you, 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 she didn't show off like that. And I, that's something I think was sorely missed on this album. Cause I mean, I, I don't know about you. I mean, I've played bass. Um, yeah. oh, I, I've, I've, I've played a lot, lots of different instruments, but so when I typically, when I hear like an artist, that's like a guitarist, he puts out a guitar album, you know, like Lindsey Buckingham, I know what I'm getting. I'm going to get a lot of Lindsey Buckingham showing off on his guitar, Les Claypool. You're going to see a lot of less showing off. Dave Grohl puts out like a solo album. You know, there's going to be some crazy fucking drum solos. So I was expecting at least some level of that here. And it, it's nowhere to be found. Like not at all. Yeah. 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 That's an interesting, uh, I and kind of odd. I, maybe, you know, I, I guess she just wasn't interested in doing that. It, Cause there, there's moments where there is like a weird jazzy, baselines and then again she uh, it, it ended up kind of getting buried in the mix at when the, i would have, if i was mixing like well maybe we should make this a little more pronounced yeah uh, but you know here we are it's her album not ours paul <laughs> no no and you know what i'm, I'm glad i mean in a way again this is just it's a cool album uh, just for the fact again you look at all the talent 
that was on this. Like all the people, you know, uh, the, uh, all the different things. Like when, like this, she is the Kevin Bacon of music, <laughs> and you didn't know she was the Kevin Bacon of music. I mean, she is within several degrees of Queen of the Stone Age, Arctic, Arctic Monkeys, Foo Fighters, Iggy Pop, Screaming Trees, Marilyn Manson, um, the Gutter Twins, Uncle Tomahawk, Mike Patton, the Bacon <laughs> Brothers, the Bacon Brothers, <laughs> Ween, uh, I mean, I mean, uh, White Flag. I mean, come on. Um, you know, Perfect Circle, um, Scott Weiland, and the Wildabouts. Um, this is some crazy talent that's all over this. Um, so that's where I kind of wanted to go. So I think we really nailed this album. Um, both of it with a recommendation, but with the caveat of there's some great stuff here, but there's a lot of average, yep. right? But the great stuff I just want to press is really good. It's really yes. great. Like it's I really love great. It. Taste you. I mean, that's going on one of my. That's going on a mix. <laughs> like, and I thank you for introducing me to this album because, like, that's a song that I'm gonna throw on mixes now. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, it's on mine. Um, it's been on mine since I heard it. That's that's what's at. So, Joe, let's talk about what's going on at the Joe Down. Uh, <laughs> so this week uh, we released uh, a review of uh, Maximum Overdrive. Uh, I, I did reference in the review to, if you want more of the history to check the cast, that movie episode, because, uh, the, the, the history of the making of that movie is just would fill a blog in itself. But we, uh, we had fun with, uh, Stephen King's cocaine fueled, uh, yeah, romp in the, in the cinema. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'm glad you did that because normally what happens is oddly enough is that a cast that movie we end up doing something that you've done. And this is, I think, the first project that you guys did after us. Yep. Uh, yeah. And, yeah, there is – Coke needs I, – I, was it – I think it was Joe Brown that said that Coke needed its own SAG card. <laughs> and he's absolutely right. And I love in the Joe Down the, the numerous references to uh, um, Rick James, co cocaine's a hell of a drug. Um, <laughs> it cannot be stressed enough about how much blow was going on in Stephen King's head in this movie. Again, he came out and said that he was so coked up during the movie, he didn't remember filming it. That's how fucked up he was. But it's one of those movies that's so bad it's good. I, I just I, – I just love – there's like these weird asides like – you know, like if you're not listening on headphones, you're gonna miss uh, Emilio Estevez calling Camp Loman a happy asshole. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like what? And Camp Loman saying, "You want to rock and roll with me, puss bag?" To one of the trucks. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 so Scott despised this movie, um, and I personally, this is one of my guilty pleasures of a movie. Like if it's on, I'm gonna watch it. Um, and, uh, yeah, there's some great moments in that and you really nailed it. Like this is the first, uh, really the Tommy was so we made you, we made you. <laughs> you turned um, me apart, Lisa. <laughs> oh, it's so bad. Um, so yeah. All right. But yeah, so that, and then, uh, next week we'll be doing Birdman. I've never seen mm -hmm. it, so I'm interested and in, to see how how that goes 
perfect. I have not seen Birdman yet. Everyone tells me they've seen it. I haven't seen it yet. It's on my list. I'm so far behind. Um, that's awesome. So uh, we got uh, what's going on with you, Paul? What's what's happening? Um, because I know uh, there's some well, projects on hiatus. Some uh, having some changes. Uh, whatever. What's going on? Keep the people right. informed. Right. Yeah. So let's, Mike. All right. Yeah. No, I have some breaking news here for this. Um, cast that movie with Scott is going to come to an end. Um, he, uh, there's just a lot of things going on. He can no longer commit to doing it. Um, so, and he made it very clear that he didn't want to make any reservations of it, um, that, uh, him coming back at any time soon. Um, so I am in the process of working, changing that format with two new co-hosts. Um, so it will come back in some iteration, I am making sure that Waterworld is going to be the first one that we do because we promised Waterworld. Um, but um, yeah, it's um, um, that's where uh, my my head's at with that one, and just you know letting everyone know that you know that's not going to happen. Uh, that also means that Bears beats and bobbleheads, um, which Scott has said he will come back and do and wants to do when he has time. Um, will come back with some iteration, but that, you know, luckily we stopped where we were. And we that's the end of season one. So, you know, we can kind of come back whenever and say, okay, this is when season two is going to start for the show. Um, you know, so there's that. Um, you guys will start seeing, uh, I know I keep saying I'm going to do it. I, I got about six or seven podcasts I need to edit and it's just been piling up on me. So I am just going to bear down, um, tonight and start working on some of it and getting through tomorrow and getting some of it. So um, there should be a whole slew of things that come out with this. The other thing they got to figure out is I'm thinking about, well, we'll talk about that off air because something we need to do for the, for the podcasting for this one. Um, so um, you, the, the other one that's going to premiere is going to be that tour of Hawkins, um, a podcast about stranger things. We already have two recorded episodes with our new co-host on that one, Griffiny. Um, so, yeah, uh, some big news there. And unfortunately, losing Scott <clears throat> is difficult um, for me. Um, for some of you that are probably regulars of what I do and have been following and you know, friends of ours, um, Scott has been what I've considered my heterosexual life partner in all things artistic. Um, all but one of my bands, um, I was in with him. Um, uh, you know, we wrote a movie together, filmed it. It's still in post-production for years because of the sound issues, but eventually will come out at some point. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of things that we've done. So it's kind of difficult for me to take a project that we work together and continue in the exact same format. So I am going to switch it around. So it is a little bit different. Yeah. Well, I'm glad he'll still be with Bears Beats Bobbleheads because <clears throat> I like Scott a lot. I don't know him that well, yes. but I have a blast with that. So that knowing that's still in the mix, uh, I'm happy for. Uh, I'm sad to, that he's no longer with uh, Cast That Movie. So you you have big shoes to fill, Paul. Uh, you know, you know. I mean, let's hope it's a Melissa <laughs> off to me are replacing scott and not like uh some chucklehead that'll make me stop listening <laughs> no pressure paul <laughs> no, yeah no, no pressure 
Well, the nice thing will be is that uh, there will be no um, Ted Mills. Uh, <laughs> I ruined him. You ruined Ted Mills, and Ted Mills will not be coming back. Yeah, you know, it's going to be uh, – we're still working on a kind of – I will say that it's – I think it's going to be um, not – it's going to be a sidestep. It's going to be a um, – I don't want to say it'll be funnier because I don't know if it will be funnier. Um, but – I, I th- the people that I'm getting involved with it are both very hilarious people. Um, so I think having three people in on it um, and doing these types of things and talking about these movies, like uh, I'll throw it out there, guys. So one of the things we're thinking about really doing is uh, still keeping the director and actors in there and talking about what went wrong with the movie, but adding the things that we really hated up in the movie. Like one thing that cast that movie was really missing was kind of a breakdown of what goes on in the movie. We kind of explain the history and expect you to know what goes on in that movie. And I think that's something that's been missing. So I think we're going to be adding kind of this format of the three of us ripping apart the plot of the movie and kind of what goes on within the movie a little bit um, before getting to our recasting, not treading on the Joe down, like what you guys do, like, Boom, boom, boom. But like, hey, there was this particular part of the movie that was just fucking ridiculous, right? Or, hey, there was this part of the movie where it came out of left field. Like, why did that happen? Things like that. Sweet. So, there is that. Um, So, yeah, big news. Sad news. But I think um, it's going to propel the the thing. And I think it's going to get us to a wider audience. Um, with the addition of these two people. So that's, yeah, sorry. It's just, <clears throat> I, I kind of knew this was coming audience. Um, I was just waiting for the formalization of it. Wah-wah. I know, downer, downer note, Joe. I'm sorry. Yeah, man, you just spring this on me right now. <laughs> I, know, I know I'm a cocksucker. I get it. <laughs> God damn. <laughs> We're having a good time, and you just... <laughs> I, you know what? The next Joe down after Birdman could be you and Joe beating me up. How's that? Uh... <laughs> oh, uh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> All right. Uh, so uh, since we got that out of the way, I'm going to announce uh, next week's album. Yes, I'm curious. What's next week's album? What's next All week's right. album? This is going to be the last modern one I do for a while. I okay. I don't want to go back in time uh, to other albums from past this one is uh you know came out in the the mid 2000s okay it's a by a group called i don't i have no idea if you even know who this is it's a group called neon neon oh i don't know this band uh it, the album's called stainless style it's a concept album about john delorean and it uh one track features Harmar, one track features harmar superstar <laughs> interesting uh, so uh let me pull this up real quick uh so uh, uh neon neon is like a side project uh it's boom bip who is a uh, D- dj producer and gruff rice from uh super furry animals and it's a 80s inspired concept album about john delorean <laughs> i i want to hear this I want to hear this because I watched the 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 John DeLorean where um was it uh who played John DeLorean um 
there was a documentary or like a, uh, about him and they had someone I thought playing him. There was a recent documentary, maybe I'm getting my documentaries mixed up about the DeLorean and, uh, and the crazy shit he was doing. So yeah, I want to hear So this is called, okay. It's called neon neon. I'm going to pull it up here on my YouTube music. Hang on. And the album's called Stainless Style. All right, let me look at this here because I'm going to bookmark this here. So it's Neon, Neon. Stainless Style. And it is... It is on... It's on my, it's on my thing. So what I have is the bonus version. Is that the 17 That track? is just fine. That okay. Just fine. So yep. we'll do the uh, bonus version? Okay. Yep. And then uh, after this, I'm probably going <clears> to <throat> get to a little less uh, white dude music. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's one thing I'm, I was kind of concerned about uh, just because that's a lot of what I listen to. So we'll be changing it up a bit with the the albums after this. I just wanted to, I really wanted you to listen to this album. <laughs> yeah. I want to hear this one. And I have one that I want you to, well, uh, yes, I'll, I'm going to save for what my album's going to be. Um, but yes, um, I will get listening on this right away. I'll listen to this all week and give you my thing. So yeah, Harmar superstars on there. Hot, uh, hot chip, fat lip, your Majesty Spank. Okay, this is gonna be interesting. Yeah, I'm really interested in hearing about the backstory of this band because this is not a band I've ever heard of. Yeah, it was kind of sprung on me in like 2006, and like I was just like, how that, you know? It, yeah, I'll get into that next week. Interesting. Yes, I'm super excited about that. Okay, well, um, I think that's really it, uh, Joe. Unless you have anything else to add. Nope, we are good. So until next time, Paul. Uh, um, ride the lightning. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, no, follow the lightning. Fuck! <laughs>